So, what makes you drag your feet? Man, I think in my case, I think it has to do with when I'm tired, sometimes I will drag my feet. Wow. Now, how many of you out there drag your feet? Let's go. Hey, what's up, everybody? You have reached the I'm Dealing With broadcast. I'm Sean, your host, and we'll be taking you through plenty of taboo topics that men deal with on a daily basis. We're going to go through, listen, and deal with all these things together. I know I've got to heal, and I'm sure you have to heal too, or the man in your life needs to heal. Stay tuned. Fasten your seatbelt. Hold on. Here we go. Hello, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of I'm Dylan. Hey, we're going to pick up uh, where we left off. For those of you that listened to episode 20, oh, my God, we had that co-host, Cedric, who talked about some things. Oh, man, you got to go back and listen to that episode. I am not going to recap. That is your job. But anyway, so today on this particular episode, we're going to go right back to where Cedric was and we're going to piggyback off of that. So today we have on this show, believe it or not, I've got my big bro, uh, this <laughs> Joe E. Bowden third. And uh, I'm not going to tell you anything about him. For those of you that don't know him, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Joe, what you got? Hey, man. First of all, I just got to say to you, hey, man, I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate what you're doing. And uh, I just know God's got good things for you. But about me, you already mentioned it. I'm the big bro. There's about two and a half years between us. And um, so for those who don't know me, um, I am bivocational. I am a licensed professional engineer, civil engineer by trade. I've been doing that for about 27 years. Um, but uh, I'm bivocational in that I also pastor, and I've been doing that for about 14 years now. So, um, you know, so that tends to keep me very busy and, you know, trying to balance things. Uh, that's where I am right now, keeping things in focus, keeping things balanced you know, doing the will of the Lord and uh, still putting food on the table uh, for my family. So uh, that's where we are. So that's me. And, uh, you know, even though my brother said he hasn't uh, said too much about me, um, uh, I have heard some of the, uh, yeah, yeah, you know where I'm headed, right? Ouch! <laughs> yep, you know where I'm headed, man. Yeah, so I will say uh, my brother and I, we've had some great experience. We've had some, you know, in all transparency, we've had some not so good experiences, yeah. but we've also had some awesome great experiences and and um and i'm just excited I, and i need to tell you sean man i'm i mean as your big brother i am excited for what you are doing yeah, I appreciate um it. you know i know it's been difficult i know it's been a struggle i know sometimes you get questions uh, but man as god gives it to you you just to do what you're doing because i know that you are blessing uh countless men uh and women um you know, yeah, because they're listening. They're listening. That's right. <laughs> to help them understand the things that we go through. So I appreciate that. 
And uh, as you spoke, you talked about uh, the pastorate. So um, let people know exactly where they can find you in your pastorate, whether via mm-hmm. social media or whatever the case may be. And then tell them about the, the church that you pastor and also that website or even address info. And I know where, you know, everybody's hunkered down at this point, but tell them where they can find you, what you've got going on with your church right before we get into uh, today's content. Hey, sounds good, man. I appreciate that. Um, I pastor Word for Life Ministries. Again, that's Word for Life Ministries. Um, We have our facility in the Mission Valley area of San Diego. Uh, We've been at our current location going on almost four years now, believe it or not. And um, now we are obviously not meeting at the facility. We are uh, uh, meeting online. We do a live stream uh, every Sunday. And that live stream can be found uh, at our Facebook page. So if you are on Facebook, if you type in at WFLM.church, again, that's at WFLM.church, that'll take you to our Facebook page. And we live stream from that page every Sunday at 1045. Uh, We also have some co-streams to YouTube. So if you go to YouTube, and you search for us, Word for Life Ministries, um, you'll be able to hit up our uh, our YouTube page. And then we're also on Vimeo. And so on Vimeo, we're at uh, vimeo.com uh, forward slash WFLM. So again, vimeo.com forward slash WFLM. And uh, Word for Life Ministries was established uh, and founded by uh, our father, uh, Jolie Bowden II, and, uh, and our mom, uh, Christina Bowden, we call her Lady Christina now. They are the original founders of the ministry. My father pastored right up until he was a senior pastor up until about uh, late 2006 in December of 2006. Um, let me know that due to health reasons that he was going to be passing on the mantle. And um, so God saw fit to allow that mantle to fall to me. And so we've been in that role as the senior pastor since uh, late December of 2006. Six and um, so this coming December will be 14 years. Um, so yeah, man, it's hard to believe 14 years. Time flies um, when you're having fun. Has yeah, it has been flying. So um, great group of people that God has blessed us to be able to pastor. I'm just I'm excited for everyone. Um, you know, I know some pastors uh, oftentimes can can make excuses about uh, the people, but you know, I ask God when he called me to the pastorate, um, you know, because that wasn't necessarily a calling I was seeking. Um, but when God called me, I, I asked the Lord, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you are calling me, then I need you to do something for me. And this is what I said. This is what helps keep me grounded. I said, I need you to help me to see your people the way you see them and love them the way you love them. Exactly. And as a result of that, I believe that God has helped me to maintain that pastoral heart um, to lead and to feed God's people. So I'm excited. That's Word for Life Ministries, and and uh, that's a, just an exciting part of, of what I do bivocationally. Man, man. Okay, so you guys have heard, um, if, you, if you are somewhere, uh, maybe you're, you're not following a particular uh, church or whatever the case may be, and you just want to hear some grounding word, things of encouragement, check out the website, go to uh, their page, uh, listen to the live broadcast, go to the YouTube, the Vimeo, 
Um, and you know, and they actually respond. So it's definitely interactive, especially when they do their Bible class. So again, now you have to, y- y'all who listen, you've been listening for a while. You guys understand, you know, um, you know my background. You already know, but you also have to understand this is not a church sponsored bo- uh, broadcast, right? So, right, right. so, and as you can see, we have somebody on who is a pastor, but we're going to talk to your natural man, and he's going to uh, talk about some of his his experiences, personal experiences, and because again, the goal is to love you where you are, and yeah. not say, "Hey, turn in your Cadillac, we'll give you a Lambo." But you keep your Cadillac and here's a Lambo to go along with it. That's what that's what my job is. That's what I want to do. I want to add to you, not leave you out there bucket naked with no clothes on. Right. So I want to enhance you. Keep your clothes on. But here's a jacket to go with it. OK, that's the goal of this um, medium is to build you to build you up, which will segue right into this because you already know you all know that the title of this is called man men and drag <laughs> and reason why we call it that is we men we're good for dragging our feet on stuff we so good for dragging our feet on stuff not on everything but there are certain topics that we that each of us i would have to say truthfully drag our feet on not saying that you're a full-blown procrastinator because you know just some people they just procrastinate on everything that's just who you are as cedric spoke about in the previous pro- podcast but we drag our feet. So this is going to segue right into our topic. So Joel, take us through, um, we're going to, first one, we're going to talk about networking. Why mm-hmm. do we, number one, why do we drag our feet in dealing with networking, but, and also explain the importance of why we should network. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let, let me approach this from, from my professional background and, you know, networking, is important in what I do as a, as a civil engineer, I work for uh, a company that provides what we call consulting engineering services. And so we provide a wide variety of services, but the benefit of networking is that as a for-profit company, um, the way in which we are able to secure clients in some cases or secure what I would call new clients is that you have to have the ability to network. And and in my industry, there are various different ways of doing that. Um, one of the ways that I'm involved in is I get involved in, in professional associations, uh, groups that cater to my profession and get a chance to participate in conferences, um, go to some of the, the local meetings and get-togethers. Um, at, when I was in my, my younger formative years as an engineer, um, the company that I worked for um, kind of, I don't want to say it was a requirement, but it was a, uh, you were provided with everything you needed and, and the reassurance and the encouragement to go out and pursue getting involved in professional organizations and, and technical organizations because the company recognized that that the people that you meet ultimately in, in those groups, um, you develop, uh, you know, a peer network. They become, uh, you know, people that you'll see again when you go to the next event. And so over time, as young engineers, we eventually, as we grow into you know, mid-level engineers, we become engineering managers. And then on the flip side, some of our clients will start owning businesses or they may work for the city and municipality. Um, Starting that networking early 
now means that I've developed a rapport with that person on the other side of the table who's looking for someone to take on their business. And so uh, oftentimes having that rapport through networking um, helps facilitate that process. I mean, there's still a there's still a formal process to go after some of those projects, but sometimes it's all about networking, mm-hmm. who you know, talking about the right thing. Somebody shares with you, hey, I got this thing going on and you know, we've been dealing with this issue and we haven't been successful in dealing with it. And uh, you know, you could be on the golf course or or shooting the breeze at lunch or at a professional organization meeting, you know, hanging out in the lobby and all of a sudden you start shooting you know, just shooting the breeze about, you know, issues that that client may be having. And even though they may not be my personal client, Mm -hmm. you know, I might be able to offer a suggestion that says, well, hey, have you ever thought about this? Or maybe, or I can say, hey, you know, we ran into that issue on this project and this is how we handle. Oh, really? That's what you guys did? Okay, I'll tell you what, let's touch bases. Let's get together and let's talk about it some more. Maybe I can help you guys help out in my situation. So, you know, that's on the professional side of things. So networking can help get your foot in the door in places where ordinarily you might have to compete Mm. with another firm to do that. So if you don't network, then people don't know who you are. They, They haven't developed that rapport. So you're just like anybody else knocking on the door, right? But if you have rapport and you knock on somebody's door, it's like, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. You know, we talked about so and so. Yeah. Let's talk about this project. Okay. You know, how can I help you and what do you need? And you know, when can I get you a proposal? Right. And um, so, so I think that can translate very well in any type of business that you had. You know, I heard Cedric talk about yesterday, you know, his networking was, you know, going to the hair salons because he knew he had a captive audience, mm-hmm. you know, either to either to sell clothing or, you know, or, or his food, you know, great way to network because people now know who you are. They know that you either got a great clothing line or some great food. And so, and, and, you know, that word travels by mouth, you know, as it relates to ministry, um, you know, networking does several things. Um, one of the things that I look forward to when I network is getting a chance to meet other pastors. And I'm, you know, not just of the denomination that I am, but being able to reach pastors and develop those friendships with pastors who may not be of my denomination. Right. right? It, it helps to, um, it, you know, especially as because we're not a, we're not a big ministry. And so uh, it helps us to meet other pastors. And when you get to know one another, you have that ability to talk about things that ordinarily you might not talk about across denominational lines. Right. Because you develop a rapport. And and even though there are certain things in our belief where we may differ, but what we have to do is learn how to touch on the things where we agree and start from that basis. Right. And when we do that, we bring the body of Christ together. And I know I'm getting a little spiritual here, but I'm going to try not to stay here too long. But that's the benefit <laughs> of networking, you know, within the within the church arena. I mean, just like it's a benefit on the secular side in professional organization whatever you're doing, um even within the church there's the benefit of networking and that is to help draw us closer together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm. So you've talked about the professional side, mm-hmm. you're talking about the spiritual side, dealing with church and things of that sort. But what about a person's personal life mm-hmm. in their networking? 
How does that affect them? And then also answer this question. Do you believe that sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you're one network away from, um, you know, your business being successful? Maybe you get in that job uh, or whatever that is. How do you feel about that as well? So hit that personal side and then then hit that next question. Okay, so absolutely. So now for me, networking is kind of interesting. You know, as a pastor, people see me as being outgoing. And I think what most people don't know about me is I'm, I'm an introvert, right? I'm more of an introverted person. So in, in my personal life, um, I tend to be more introverted. So doing things on a personal level sometimes takes more effort. I have to provide more effort to do it because, um, you know, people don't see me as being shy. And I, I would say I'm probably less shy than I used to be. And, but that's because of public speaking, you know, both in my professional job as well as becoming a pastor. But for the most part, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. So that means I have to put some work into active personal networking. And so as an example of that, on the personal side, um, you know, there are people that I meet that I may develop an acquaintance with, but I probably would say that my friends are few. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've got very specific friends, very deliberate. And um, and 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 those friendships span both, you know, professional uh, as well as on the excuse me, on the spiritual side of things. Um, But beyond that, these are people that I can call um, when when I need somebody to shoot something off of. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I think people think sometimes that pastors don't share the same issues as everybody else. Hey, we're human, just like everybody else. We deal with the same stuff that everybody else deals with. Um, Classic example of that is, you know, the recent, uh, you know, killing of George Floyd as a pastor. It's interesting, and and this is probably my first time even speaking out on that, but I held that close to the vest for a while because of the impact that it had on me, Mm -hmm. you know. you know, your first response can be one of anger, mm-hmm. but then the next response is, I want to know what was everything that happened, what transpired, because I don't just want to speak out a turn. I don't just want to blurt something out that's not factual or whatever the case may be. And and then also because of my role as a, as a pastor and, and even in my professional life, you know, things that I put out there can come back, right? So what I have to think about is what can I say or what can I do that can be a blessing and a help to someone rather than a hindrance Mm -hmm. in a time in which there's a lot of political turmoil and everything else going on. Um, and so, so sometimes, um, you know, we have people that, that we need to be able to talk to. And, and so, my so my networking from a personal standpoint oftentimes is about developing a network from the sense of how can I develop a friendship with someone that I can trust that um, that I can bounce things off of and uh, someone who's going to tell me the truth right? right even if I even if I don't want to hear it you know someone who's going to tell me what's true and so personal networking for me is probably a little bit different just because of the type of individual that I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now your second question, I think, had to deal with um, uh, 
let me say, how did you put it? The, the importance of, of networking from the standpoint of that could be, you know, that you could just be one, right? Yeah. Network one, 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 you know, one person away from being able to break out. Yeah. And, and that's interesting that you, that you said that. Cause let, let me, let me use an example from my professional life I mentioned before about networking at professional organizations. So when I was back in Michigan, you know, within my first 10 years of my, my, uh, my experience in as a professional engineer, um, part of my involvement in professional organizations was also providing or giving technical presentations. And I happened to give this technical presentation on this particular subject. And as a result of doing that presentation on that subject, several people came up to me to ask me about that subject. And then one in particular got my contact information. When I got back home, they called me up and said, hey, we heard your presentation and we have a project that will benefit from the information you gave. Mm-hmm. Would you like to, would you come in and meet with us so we can talk to you about the project? And I did that. I went, met with them about what they needed. And they said, uh, we talked through it. They said, great, we're comfortable with you. Right, can you give us a proposal? Gave them a sole source propo- proposal to do that work. They didn't go out to get a proposal from anybody else. They mm. asked me for a sole source proposal to do that work. And that work ended up leading or that specific. So just from right being participating at that conference, it actually led to two projects that came about. And the only reason I did newborn with that particular client is because I ended up moving here to California, but it resulted in two mm. specific projects with that client and the ability to then develop a rapport with that client, all because I went to a conference and spoke at that conference. You so hear that's that, kind yo. of an example of how you're one away. Mm. <laughs> you guys hear that. So if you, if you're dragging your feet on something and you know, you've either been called to do something, you've been asked to do something and you're dragging your feet. If you don't do it, Sometimes your way out, maybe that person, let's just say you're selling a product, you're, you're a sales rep or you've got a product, you got something you're selling or a service or whatever the case may be, and you choose not to network. Maybe the person that you network with is not your client, however, but they know 10 people that are ready to buy from you right now. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. can definitely mess you up if you're dragging your feet in this networking platform, if mm-hmm. you're dragging your feet. And it's yeah. very imperative that not just in your personal life, maybe in your spiritual life, uh, maybe on, on the business level, that networking is important, very important, because I can stay in networking on the spiritual level for the next 20, 30 minutes because I, I can just go there. But the point of it is that's not what this is. OK, so we're, tr- <laughs> we're trying to meet you where you are. So and yep. I know many of you right now, I, I know people are out there as as uh, he stated just a minute ago that, you know, many people are out there hurting. And uh, they're going through this thing because of uh, uh, what's happening with Mr. Floyd and uh, how he passed and all that kind of stuff. And I know there are a lot of people that are hurting out there. And and then some of and then you also have to watch what type of networking you're doing, because what you don't want to do is um, get influenced by the wrong type of network. So real quick, talk about the wrong influences in networking. Yeah, now, see, this is important. And and. And let's segue back to how that relates, especially in our personal lives. We have to be careful who we allow to influence us um, because we can often receive 
the wrong information, the wrong input from people that should not be influencing our lives. What do I mean by that? Um, as an example, um, someone who is married and having difficulty in their marriage, the last thing you want to do is get advice from someone who's never been married. Right? <laughs> That'll preach. You right understand there. what I'm saying? Oh, you, my. Know, you know how you know how we as brothers, you know, and what we used to do, man, if I was in that, I wouldn't deal with that, man. I just kick them to the curb. Well, <laughs> right. Ooh-wee. So, you know, so sometimes the the advice, while 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 maybe it was well intended by the person on the other end, but they don't have experience in that mm-hmm. area to be able to provide you the information you need. So think about that in terms of the things that you deal with, choosing wisely people who can actually provide relevance and information that will be a benefit to you rather than someone who's going to give you errant information that's not going to help you. In fact, might cause your problem to become worse than to become better. Um, those are things that we have to mm. have to think of. And so the the importance within networking, especially, you know, personal or even if it be for professional, for business, you're trying to establish a business. And um, and so you want to know what are the proper channels uh, or the proper things that you need to do to get things in order legally, um, you know, to tick all the boxes to make sure you've got your finances together, you got your backing together. You know, you don't want to just go and talk to somebody who's never run a business before. You got to talk to somebody who's 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 been through who's been through it, right? right? Somebody that's got some experience who can now actually provide you the pointers to say, okay, here's what you need to do, but avoid this. Or maybe I can help speed up this process if you go to this entity and that entity. They cater to small businesses and they can get you what you need now, right? So there's a lot of good information that's out there from people who are experienced in that area. And so when people are networking, whether it's professionally uh, or whether it's personally, you know, align yourselves with people who will actually benefit you. Um, Align yourself with people um, who have wisdom and knowledge in that area and and be wary of those who don't have that kind of knowledge. you know, in that particular area. So you want to avoid that because you want to avoid anything that's going to not provide you the right information that's ultimately going to lead you down a wrong road. And a lot of people unfortunately experience that because they are they are influenced by people who don't know what they're doing, don't have all the information, don't know what they're saying. And so as a result, if we receive that into us, we obtain the wrong information, then we start acting on stuff that's not true, stuff that's not relevant, um, stuff that has no bearing with regard to the actual events and circumstances and things that have taken place. And so, you know, that's one reason I'm careful, um, for, you know, personally as well as professionally and, and in ministries with who I receive information from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also even from me being careful of how do I provide information because I don't want to provide information that's not correct. Right. I don't want to provide information. I, I, I hope that I can be to someone a good source of information. So I've got to, even as a pastor, I've learned if somebody asks me a question and I don't know it, I don't just start shooting the breeze and talking out of the side of my neck about something I don't know. Just be honest. I will. 
I will tell them, I'll say, you know what? I don't have an answer for that right now, but if you give me a few days, a few hours, whatever it takes, I will get back to you with an answer. Right. You know, and people appreciate that because you're transparent, you know, as a pastor, yes, there are a lot of things I know, but there's a lot of things I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to shoot the breeze. What I'll do is if there's something I don't know, I'm going to go check up on it. And if I have to talk to somebody to get the right information, I'll do that too. But then I'm also going to check on them to make sure the information I got was correct. <laughs> Background check. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. Background check. You know, I have to be, okay, this is a little spiritual for, for those who may not know the word, but I got to be like a brand. You know, I got to check out to make sure that what I'm getting is the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I know for those of you listening, you know, those that are uh, unchurched, if you want to call it that, uh, Go research what a Berean is <laughs> so you can understand what he's talking about. <laughs> because I'd be like, who's Berean? I ain't never met him right, before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, go check that out, which is interesting. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, but we're going to go right back into our next few topics, man. Stand by, because we're not done yet. It's going to segue into the next thing. Hold on. We at IDW appreciate your listening support. If you're finding great value from this content, please consider clicking our monthly supporter link as we are striving to bring you the best content available both now and in the future. Thank you in advance. This is IDW. I'm Sean, your host. All right, so we're back. So we just got to finish talking about networking with Joel, who's my co-host today, uh, my big bro. And uh, um, we're going to segue right from networking, which takes us right into the next thing, because without networking, you can't roll into business. So let's talk about, you know, especially you're the perfect candidate for it because you have that professional background dealing with business. So talk about why is business number one, why it's important. And then also why is, um, doing your business, whether you're starting a business, growing a business, whatever case may be that it's important for you not to drag your feet in business. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Ah, good question. So let's, let's start with the, uh, why is it good not to drag your feet in business? So when you are in business, uh, depending upon what your product is, what your business is, uh, unless you have something that's extremely unique, meaning that there's nobody out there who does it like you, then you're going to be in competition with other people. And what's happening with your competition? Your competition is going to be doing the things that they need to do to increase their business, right? So they want to expand their reach. Um, they want to become a bigger player in the market, right? There are goals that they've established. And so if you're not doing those things in your business, somebody else is doing those things in, in their business. And so the potential customers and clients that could have been yours may go to them because they're the ones that are out there pounding the pavement. They're the mm. ones out there networking. They're the ones out there doing the things that help secure, um, the clientele that they need to grow their business. So now in terms of now I, I work for, I work for a company. And so 
as as part of what I do in the role that I am now, part of my requirement is to help bring in more work. I was just talking to my brother just just before, you know, Sean, as I was talking to you, mm-hmm. I just gotten off of uh, had literally just gotten off of an interview with a potential client for a project that we went after. And so wait, wait a minute. So you're in business, but you mm-hmm. had to go through an interview still. That's right. That's mm. right. Because clients will, you know, certain clients may interview you again. It depends on what you're doing. What what you know, what type of business are you in? I hope you all heard that. But the type of work that we do, many of our potential clients or many of the potential projects that we're vying after, um, even though we've proposed on them, sometimes part of that process of that client reviewing our proposal means that they might have received proposals from other companies. And so that client is going to review those proposals. Then they're going to make a short list. And that short list will involve, let's, let's say, let me, let me use this as, as an example. Let's say that there is a client that has a, um, so in my field, I said I'm a civil engineer. So let's say that it's a large, what we call a civil works project. You know, it could be, it could be a street restoration. It could be a brand new railway. It could be an airport. It could be, you know, a water or sewer system. It could be a pump station. It could be a treatment plant. Okay. But we call those civil works. All right. So we have a client that's going out. They issue what's called a request for proposal for uh, a particular project. Well, the higher the dollar value of the project, the more interested parties are going to go after that project. Mm -hmm. So let's say now 10 firms provide proposals to meet the requirements of what's called the request for proposal. And in a request for proposal, the client will state their background, they'll state what the project is, they'll state what they need, and they'll state to you what's required to be in your proposal, right? So they'll give you all the requirements. And in some cases, they'll even tell you how they're going to score the proposal, what's important. All right. So, you know, you go through the process of preparing, we call those commercial proposals. That, that means that I have to talk about the company. I've got to show how we've got experience in that area. I've got to be able to show what type of projects we've done that provides the relevant experience. And then everybody that's on our team, I have to provide their their pers- their, their uh, resumes about their background. Uh, what type of projects have they done? What is their experience? And how does that relate to this project that we're going after? All right, so then we have to prepare what's called an approach for the project. We have to make sure that we show the client that we understand what the project is. We'll do a project understanding, and then we'll come up with an approach. That approach means this is how we're going to um, proceed with the work we're going to do on the project. Here's how we're going to approach this. Here's 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 how we're going to um, here's how we're going to meet with you, Mr. Client. Here's how we're going to communicate with you. Here's how we're going to perform the work. Here's how we're going to help you meet your goal. Right, the end product. And then ultimately, as part of that, we may have to provide a fee. Um, but what happens is in that process, once we submit the proposal, that proposal will go in, client's going to review it, and then he may do what's called a short list. That means that he's going to select from those 10, those 10 proposals that came in, he might select four, right? And then in order to narrow down those four, they may do what's called an interview. And so that interview could be an in-person interview, but in this day and age of COVID, you know, obviously we're doing online interviews. And so, um, and so those interviews 
will help that client to fill in any additional questions they might have had from your proposal. And then ultimately when they're done, they'll provide a ranking. And if you are in the number one spot, you have the first opportunity to to essentially win that project. And so, you know, you got to go through the negotiations. I'm, I'm talking big projects. So you got to do all the contractual stuff. You got to agree to the contract. You got to, if there's anything you don't agree with, you got to make those changes, right? So there's a bunch of legal things that have to happen. Um, you may have to negotiate your fee. You know, we may have said we were going to do it for this price, uh, but maybe they're price conscious. Or, and so we got to look at the fee and then we may have to adjust the scope. Um, or then the client may decide that I want to increase your scope. And, uh, and so they give you an opportunity to adjust your fee. So these are all the things that go into that from, from the type of work um, that I do. So, um, so now think about this from a personal business perspective that in some cases you're going to win clientele uh, just because of the type of product you have um, because uh, you might be in a venue where you can show people your product and people like your product so they buy it. Right, whether it's food or clothing or things you make, um, uh, you could be an artist, right? People like your artistry. Uh, you could be a musician. People like uh, that you got a great sound on the horn or the drums or the bass or whatever your you know whatever your inclination is, um, and so they like what you have. Um, so, but notice that there is a process to gain that client. You got to be out there. You have to show them what you've got. So, whether it's a big client or whether it's a small client or a customer. You know, it still involves you getting out there to do that work, man, man. So I heard a lot in that. And I, I just want to I want to go back to this one spot that you talked about, because so for those of you that, you, you know, maybe you are a CEO, maybe you are in sales, you're a marketing director, uh, maybe you're uh, a startup business. You're trying to you're, you're in the process of building something, whatever that is. But the one thing I heard you say, and I know it's your field. But what I heard you say was, OK, number one, you you already have a job. You're already uh, a project manager or whatever that is. But you also had to bring in you had to know. Number one, you had to know your you had to know your business. Number one, you had to know your mm -hmm. business. You mm -hmm. had to know what you're bringing to the table. You had to know what you were capable of doing within certain timeline. You had to know uh, how you would communicate what that medium is. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, what I heard is the employees that work for you mm -hmm. weren't there at the interview, but you had to um, present the backgrounds of your employees and their capabilities to your potential customer. That's right. That's right. So as an example, right, depending upon the size of the project, you know, I might have for a small project, I'm only have a few people working on it before a big project. You know, you could have multiple people working across multiple offices, but in the interview, we might only have key players as an example. So if I'm the project manager and I'm leading that interview effort, I might have a team of three or four other people representing certain aspects of the project, but all of us have to represent or understand the capability, the capability of the people we work with, our, our peers, the, the other, the other uh, technical experts that are going to be working on the team. And so, we have to know our business. We have to know our capability and we have to know the people that we work with. Mm. And ultimately, even if, so if, if you're an owner and you have multiple employees that have various job functions, you have to also know each of their capabilities oh. so that, 
so that when a project comes up, you can assign the right person to the job. Um, or if you know that someone maybe lacks skill, then maybe you assign them to the project, but you assign them under someone else who has the experience so that they can then gain experience, right? Mm -hmm. So ultimately in my field, as an example, you know, I do a lot of mentoring. My goal ultimately is to work myself out of a job. Right. Because one day I want to retire, mm -hmm. right? So what that means is what I know I have to begin to teach and equip the younger engineers who are coming up what I know. And I don't need them to become like me. What I need them to do is to understand their capability, but how that relates to our field. So, so the things that I've learned through experience over the years, I ultimately help to give that to them, but I have to understand their capability. Right. So that way I can help assign them to projects. Um, you know, if I know that, you know, uh, Joe Blow has a desire to learn a specific skill set, but hasn't been given that opportunity yet, but I know that this project is coming up. Well, again, I may assign him to the team under another experienced engineer to help them get that, you know, experience. So knowing the people on your team and the capabilities they have are key. And so, um, you know, that may not be as much of a concern for someone who may be a sole proprietorship where, you know, it might be just you, but if you expect to grow your business, eventually you're going to add people to the team and you got to know the capabilities of the people on your team. Mm, mm, mm. And you know, what? I find that so uh, lacking in a lot of businesses where mm -hmm. uh, you're just another number. You're just another mm -hmm. guy on, a, on, on the call. You're just another guy that's a draftsman, another guy in the warehouse, whatever the case may mm -hmm. be. So how important is it? And I know you're saying it's very important, but how important is it for and I'll use you as an example, you being a leader, you know, mm -hmm. that you cannot afford to drag your feet on getting to know the people that work for mm -hmm. you, not just personally, but also their mm -hmm. capabilities. Why is that so important? Well, let me let me give you several reasons why it's important. One is especially in my field. Uh, my field is highly competitive, especially for engineers that are within a certain range of experience. And if I don't if I don't provide the attention, if I don't provide the growth opportunity, then what's going to happen? Somebody else is going to throw them a carrot, right? And want to draw them over to a completely different employer, right? So what that means for me is that the time that I have invested getting them to the point where they are, if I drag my feet and um, and I don't help provide or help them to meet their goals. Well, one, you know, help them with goal planning. What do you want to be? Where do you see your career headed? Right? So if I don't have an understanding of that, and if that employee gets a sense that I'm not going to be able to help them to get where they want to get professionally, then they're going to start looking for somebody else who can get it for mm -hmm. them. And so that's important, especially to a company because a company invests time in every person they hire. Mm -hmm. uh, especially when you're in a professional services company, you hire people and you invest in them to bring them on. And then, especially if you hire them entry level, right, you're investing in the time to train them and equip them to help them get, you know, to the area where not only they want to go, but also the need that the company has, um, you know, in my field, um, I need to get people from entry level to a certain level of experience 
which ultimately helps helps me out, right? Because it means that I can move on to doing other work and uh, and allow them now to handle aspects of maybe functions that I used to perform because now they have the experience to do it. Mm-hmm. And so if I drag my feet, I'm actually making it harder on myself. I'm actually making it more difficult in my company, but especially if that person now leaves the company because I drug my feet and I did not provide them the help that they needed, um, which ultimately would provide me the help I need. And so dragging one's feet in business, but especially as it relates to our employees, um, can be very detrimental. Wow. And, and so you, you now lose, right? All of that effort. If you, if you, uh, had somebody with you for five years and you've grown them up to a certain point, but then you start dragging your feet and getting them to the next stage. And now they get offered, you know, a salary bump and an increase by someone else. And who says, I'll give you the rest of that training. Guess where they're going? Yep. They're leaving. They're leaving. And so what happens is that five years worth of effort that I put in all oh. because I started dragging my feet, Often I've now lost that. And guess what I have to do? Start I got to start back at square one. That's right. <laughs> Man. That's right. Oh, my God. I've seen that happen all too many mm-hmm. times. Well, you know, I'm mm-hmm. glad we talk, touch bases with the business aspect because this now allows us to lead right back to our last topic, this last mm-hmm. topic. And um, I think it's a perfect topic right now strictly because uh, we have the world. We have the U.S. Everyone's dealing with this next topic. And um, because everybody's trying to reinvent themselves because they have to businesses have closed. Some people aren't coming back because of the uh, the COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They've laid off like crazy. They fired like crazy. And then, of course, with a lot of things that are happening now with the riots and stuff, some businesses are being burned up, being closed down, um, torn down. So this topic here is starting something new. Mm. Oh, man. Um, mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Um, everyone's really trying to figure out, you know, um, from a standpoint, you know, I used to be in sales. I used to be a barista or I used to, you know, work at this store that's closed. I used to work at this manufacturing facility that's closed. And they're asking themselves this question, where do I go from here? Mm. So why is it important for them to not drag their feet on trying to start something new? Let's talk about that. Mm. You know, that's that's uh, interesting. Um, and as you are well aware, it kind of hits home a little bit. Right. Uh, for for me. So um, let me let me let me take a step back and just provide a little bit about where I am in that process. So uh, people already know. Right. I'm bivocational. I'm a pastor. And I also have a career that I've been working at for 27 years. Um, but one of the things that I have been desiring to do is to ultimately be able to potentially leave my 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 career right um or reduce my workload in that career so that i can focus more time on ministry Mm -hmm. um for, for those who may not fully understand the role of a pastor um even though you know some of us are some some are full-time meaning they're full-time ministry that means that um when you're in full-time ministry, that your income, for the most part, is derived from the ministry. Me being bivocational uh, at this point in time and for the last 13 or 14 years, um, I don't take anything from the ministry because my my uh, my professional job provides 
everything that I need. You know, I mean, the church will bless us from time to time, you know, my wife and I, and, you know, send us on vacation or something. And that's only because we don't accept anything from the church. And so the board would say, we got to do something for y'all. Right. Um, so, but with that said, even pastors who are bivocational ministry is still a full-time responsibility. Yes, it is. It, it's a full-time responsibility. Um, I can get a call while I'm on my professional job, which I only try to take those during my breaks and during lunch and things like that. But I've also had times when I've received calls at three, four o'clock in the morning because somebody is in need. Somebody, somebody has something that they need to talk with me about. And, you know, and so I've had those instances where I've had somebody over my house to the wee hours of the morning. Then I have to then get dressed and go to work. Um, because ministry is important. Ministry is extremely important to me. So now, the reason why I said all that is to say this, is that, um, you know, I've been seeking the Lord for the right time for when I need to either come off my job or reduce my hours or whatever the case may be so that I can focus more on full-time ministry. And so part of the challenge, and, and, and one for me, and this is why it hits home, is to make sure that I'm not dragging my feet, and, I, I, and let me help, let me help picture this a little bit because I think some people might not understand. I know they'll understand the natural side of the decision making, um, but they may not understand the spiritual side of the decision making. One of the things that I'm concerned about is that I don't make a move too soon mm -hmm. before it's God's timing for me to do it, but at the same time, I don't want to make the move too late, meaning. That I'm concerned about the natural aspect of things. Right. So, what kind of natural things dichotomy. might I be concerned about? Right, exactly. There's there's the dichotomy of what's happening. So, what natural things might I be concerned with? Well, I make a very very good salary in the position that I'm in with my company. So, if I walk away or reduce those hours, right? So, how do I replace that income? Am I really concerned about replacing that income? Right. Um, that's the natural side of things. Um, the income. Uh, the benefits, the what's the word? I was the stability, right? Those are all things we think about on the natural side of things. But then on the spiritual side of things, um, we have to look at it from the standpoint: God, when are you? Uh, when is it your will for me to make this move? And then the second aspect of that is having the faith to understand: if I make this move then God's got me covered, right? Mm -hmm. That that I'm, I'm not going to, you know, like David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken now, nor his seed begging bread. You know, as a man, my first thought is often toward my family. Can I um, be able to come off my job? And am I going, my, my concern is for my family. Can I support my wife? Can I support my, my children are growing up now? So most of them have their jobs. But can I support those that I need to support? You know, my, my tithing offering that, you know, my wife and I provide, we are um, uh, we are a great deal of the church's income. Right. So if I reduce my my income from my natural job, what impact now does that not only have on the family, but what potential impact does that have on the church? Because mm -hmm. now, right, the church will will be trying to make up some of that. You know, so I don't need to have the same level of living. Right. But I need to make sure that, you know, I can pay my my mortgage. You know, we've got food on the table. You know, I can put gas in the tanks. I still got to drive back and forth to church. Right. Um, 
you know, so those types of things, that's the natural side of things, merging it with the spiritual side of things. And so what we have to do is be careful that we don't allow the concern of how am I going to make ends meet cause us to drag our feet. If God has said it's time to move now, right? we have to then step out on faith and say, okay, God, I may not fully understand where my income's going to come from, but I know that if I step out on faith and do this thing, you've got me covered. And so, so there's the, there, there's the dilemma, the dilemma between the natural concerns of how things are going to get met versus the spiritual concerns, stepping out on faith, also making sure that we're doing it in God's timing and not our own timing. And so, um, so we have to be careful um, when we want to do anything, whether it's professional, uh, personal, spiritual, one, that we don't move outside of God's timing. Number two, that we're not dis- disobedient with regard to God's timing. God has told us to do something. We're not doing it. We're dragging mm-hmm. our feet, mm-hmm. right? So if God has said, step out in this area and trust me in it, then we have to be willing to do it. And a lot of times we are creatures of what we what we see physically. Mm-hmm. And, and, and part of the spiritual walk, part of the Christian walk, is that you're not going to always be able to physically see what's coming. And we have to learn how to trust God in that thing, for God to show us that if God says to do this, then I'm going to trust him through the good, through the bad, because I know he's got my best interest at heart and uh, and that he's going to take care of us. And mm-hmm. so it becomes a faith walk. So so that decision-making process, if, if we don't follow it fully the way it should be followed, we can then drag our feet because we might be fearful about a thing, right? We might be fearful about making the move. Um, let me think about it. Let me let me just kind of segue on that a minute. Um, you know, sometimes in business, we don't make a move and we drag our feet because we are fearful, right? We're, we're wondering, are we going to be received? Are we going to be accepted? Are people going to like our product, right? Am I going to be able to establish this clientele? Um, you know, so on and so forth. But we also do that in our in our profession in our, in our private lives. Mm-hmm. Um, in relationships, we do that, right? Sometimes we may not um, engage in a relationship. And I'm not just talking about a man woman relationship. I'm talking about you know whether it's a friendship, but just relationships. Right. We talk about networking, right? This is all in, in, in contained within networking. But if we're fearful about how people will perceive us. Sometimes we may not move forward with networking or developing that relationship. And then, of course, you know, that can then go into, you know, uh, interpersonal relationships, men and women, husbands and wives or, or, or trying to find your mates. Right. I know that's a different topic, different show, but you can see how all those things are interrelated. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fear can be a, 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 a hindrance um, to us moving forward. And will, in a sense, cause us to drag our feet. I think your topic is men and drag, right? <laughs> men so, and drag. Men, men and drag. So, so we have to be careful that we don't allow fear to paralyze us and cause us to drag our feet and not move forward in something that we know God has put something in our heart, not just for the spiritual side of things, but even for business, moving forward, you know, entrepreneurship, whatever it is, you know. Uh, being able to launch out, don't allow fear to paralyze you. Fear can be an immobilizing factor, um, but we have to recognize that we've got to get beyond fear and move forward in whatever it is that we want to do. 
Well, I got something for you. You know, I I know we're getting close, but I got something for you. So I'm not Mm -hmm. a big baseball fan, but I'm going to throw two sliders at you, and I want you to swing at them, all right? So I'm not going to say devil's advocate, but I'm going to throw two (laughs) sliders at you. The first slider is this. I'm completely unchurched. Mm -hmm. I really don't pay attention to God as far as religiosity and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But you have been, for, you know, uh, the basis of this, You've kept up with what's going on in the world as far as layoffs, firing, mm-hmm. businesses closing. And again, I'm unlearned, unchurched. And mm-hmm. I know you're talking about all this faith stuff, man, but you know, I don't have a job right now and I'm trying to figure out where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. And um, rents do. And then I just got through reading that they, uh, that, um, the bypass that they were doing to allow people not to pay that is over and Mm -hmm. that rent is about to start kicking me in the tail and they're gonna and they want me to make up for all the Mm -hmm. months that i didn't pay Mm -hmm. what do i do i mean what do i do you know again all the jobs are good you know the jobs are gone yeah there's people some people hiring and again the fires is going on and i'm trying to figure out i'm a man i'm a woman i'm a boy i'm a girl whatever the case may be and i'm trying to figure out where do i go from here on the natural, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> okay. how do I start something new? I mean, uh, eh. yeah, yeah. Let's deal with let's deal with that. So that's the first slider. Point. Yep. So so one of the things is that a person's gonna have to look at. Okay, my 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 current field, right? Whatever it is, whatever it is that you do or that you did, the first thing to ask is in light of this whole pandemic and the things that are going on now. Is that industry going to bounce right back or is that industry going to be lost forever or is that industry going to take some length of time to come back, right? So why is that important? If that industry is not coming back, then the question now becomes what do I do next or or how do I shift to something that is going to be there? As an example, so during this COVID-19 pandemic, right, so you got department stores that closed, you got um, eateries that closed, restaurants that closed, so people who were in the restaurant business, right, those were closed. But on the flip side, you had companies like Amazon and Walmart and, and, and this is, in fact, Sean, this, this has been your field, right? You know, warehousing and moving product, and they're hiring by the goo Why? Because now that people can't go shopping in person for certain items, they've had to shift to doing online orders. So online orders have exploded, right? So all these companies have been now hiring. So now in order to, you know, so so what I'm saying is you've got to look at where is the, where, where are the areas of employment that um, are gonna benefit or come out strong either at this current present time or that are gonna be able to ramp up quickly um, you know, as we start to go back to work. And so can I now shift into those roles? Do I have the skill set right now to apply for some of those positions or, um, or do I need to do something like some online training or something that I need to help prepare me for that? Right? So I think that's item number one. How do we make that shift is I think we need to determine naturally where are things headed. Mm-hmm. Good, good. So that way we know where to go. Right? 
So because the last thing you want to do is to be out there pounding the pavement, trying to get work in an area where the doors aren't open because nobody's hiring. Right. Right. And so, so you got to look at that from, from that uh, particular standpoint. And like I said before, um, it, and this translates to natural and spiritual, but especially in the natural, don't allow fear to paralyze you. Yes. Um, some people are paralyzed because they say, but I've always done this, mm-hmm. right? I don't know how to do that. Well, the only reason you don't know how to do that is that you haven't taken the time to learn that yet. But mm-hmm. just like you learned how to do this, you can learn how to do that. <laughs> and so, so, so what I'm hearing is, if you don't, if you don't, you can't grow through nothing that you ain't gone through. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and see, we can take what we've learned, right, to ultimately allow us to transition into something new. Right. Right. Use the experience of the past. Right. Uh, you know, I, I like to use an example of someone I know who back in the day and you will know exactly who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to put them on blast. <laughs> but back at back in the day. Right. When when we before Windows came out. You know exactly where I'm going with this, don't uh-huh. you? Okay. So, you know, DOS was the operating platform. Right. And so this person that you and I both know, what did they do? They went and learned DOS mm-hmm. to the point that they could write their own bat files, right? They could produce their own uh, code, uh, everything. Code, right. But then when Windows came around, they didn't take that same time to learn Windows like they did with DOS. And so now, as Windows keeps changing, they always say, well, you know, I don't like this because things are always changing. And so my response has always been the way that you learn. And, and you know, some, you know how we make references back to the past, but when it used to be this, right, I used to know how to do it. Well, it's not that anymore. Right. And so just like you spent the time to learn that spend a little time and learn this and become relevant now become relevant with what's available now and i'm going to say this and i think this is important and um because things are not going to be the same when we come out of this right period period so if you're looking for things to go back to the same old same old it's not and i think once we come to that understanding that realization that things are no longer the same then I think that will help us begin to pivot and make the shift to do what's happening and what's coming up. So we got to transition into the new. So your question was, how do I transition into the new? One, you have to realize we can't go back to the past. Right. So this change, this pandemic, and not only this pandemic, but even other things that are even cropping up now, things are different now. And I think we have to acknowledge that. You know, so so the listeners that are out there, you got to acknowledge things are different now. They're not going to go back to what they were. So now having that understanding, you got to say to yourself, okay, understanding that I can't go back to what was comfortable. I can't go back to what I knew. What do I do now? First of all, don't be paralyzed by fear. Take a look at the direction of the market. Where where are things headed? Right. Is there an industry? that you can slot into right away. It might not be exactly the same, but maybe there's some similar skills that you can take from what you did and put it into this. Mm. Let me use one more example. I know we're running short on time. I got time, but I just don't know your time. But someone I know very well that I love very much, um, this person had skill set doing certain things. 
and and it was basically you know revolved around church and, and other type related things but through the process they developed things like word processing skill set um, use of excel skill sets they could do um, they could go in and use artwork and and set up things and so i told that person i said you know and, and that, that this person was looking for for a job because they hadn't been employed for a while and i told them i said you have the skill sets you need. You could have that skill set, although you learned it over here, you could actually use it in this industry and in that industry and in that industry. And eventually they actually went out and got a job in a completely different industry, but was able to instantly use the skill set that they had. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, but it took them a long time to get out of that place of fear to be willing to actually apply for a job in that other field and i told them i said i said let them know your capability Mm -hmm. you know just because you didn't use it for that specific industry doesn't mean you don't have the capability just show them what you can do and then let them decide whether they can use you or not right right. you know don't don't you know let me say this do not uh think that because your skill set wasn't learned in a particular industry that you can't use your skill set in a different industry. Don't let that keep you from applying for positions and going out to interview. Let those people tell you whether or not they can use you or not, right? Because most people won't be able to transition because they're fearful of whether or not they can do anything. So, you know, trust your capability, what what you have, the skill set you have, and then move forward with it. And, and, and sell your key. Don't oversell your capability. Sell what you're able to do. Mm-hmm. And then let that employer decide, can I use that? And you'll be surprised at the response. Wow. Good stuff. Good stuff. OK, my last slider. We got to keep it short. But this is my All last right. slider. And I'm going to let you go ahead and close this out on this one. So my last slider. In starting something new based upon what how you used to do. And I want you to talk about church because there's plenty of people mm-hmm. that was affected by this mm-hmm. based upon how you used to do church mm-hmm. and how some people had to start something new because now folk aren't coming mm-hmm. and you've always had live church with folk in your uh, building and now they're not in your building and you've had to realize oh man I've got to do some something completely new how do I still communicate to the parishioners of my church mm-hmm. and we've always done things based upon what was and mm-hmm. now they've had to go through zoom and skype and youtube and mm-hmm. facebook live and they had never done that before what yep. have you experienced through yourself and then also some of your fellow pastorate and what they've experienced and close us out with that oh man that's an excellent question i appreciate you for asking that um what I will say is this, um, those pastors and churches and leaders and parachurch uh, leaders that have been able to, to transition from what we used to do to engaging social media, engaging these various different platforms um, to be able to continue to share the gospel, um, they are doing well. Um, those that have not been successful in making the transition because they've always shunned um, social media or they've shunned these other various technologies that they continue to do that 
you're not going to be successful in 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 the post covid um in, in a post covid situation as it relates to being able to minister to be able to provide the gospel of jesus christ listen the message is not changing but the way in which the message is delivered is changing so listen the, the one thing that's important is to recognize that the way that we used to do things and like i sometimes i say the way in which we quote unquote used to do church those days are over period you're not going back to that um so the way in which we have to look at now moving forward not what we used to do but what is important moving forward how do we continue to reach people but especially how do we reach also the younger generation that made that transition to social media a long long time ago right many of us are just catching up and so one of the things that i've seen is that we have a greater online following than we had people physically attending um the ministry the church building you know when we could actually meet live now i'm gonna say this i'm excited i'm looking forward to the time when we can come back and and meet uh, within the church, but one thing that will change is that we are not going to just focus on meeting physically at the church building. Much of what we do is going to continue to be online. We'll have the opportunity when it's safe to do so um, to meet at the church, but at the same time, we gotta, we're got we going to continue this ability to reach people via, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, you know, all the various different platforms that are available. And so, we have to make use of what's of what's available, and so I think that one thing that I've, I'm excited about is that as a result of the churches that have been able to shift, you know, some churches have been doing this for a long time, right? But some churches weren't doing it at all, and they've had to make the shift. We were right there mm -hmm. in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we had our regular services, but we were starting to stream. We were streaming Sundays live. Now we stream everything, right? Mm -hmm. Everything gets streamed. You know, Wednesday Bible study. Um, Sunday service, and then occasionally we'll just have Zoom get-togethers with, with with you know the members of the church, just so people have an opportunity to interact with the interact with one another. I like to say this: we are physically distant, but we're not socially distant. <laughs> right, right. We're, yeah, yeah. We 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 are physically distant because we need that for protection and for safety, mm -hmm. but we're not socially distant. We still have the ability to reach out and communicate with one another although we may not physically be able to do it. So we can use all those various aspects. So so for those churches that have transitioned, they're doing well. But what I've been seeing through social media and all the other online platforms is that the gospel today is going everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everywhere. Reaching and more people. We're reaching more people. We're reaching people that we might not have been able to reach otherwise. Because we are in an age where, you know, like, like you said, there are people that are listening that are not super spiritual, may not have a church background, right? But what I do believe is happening is that there are people who are beginning to question and say, you know, maybe I need to think about this a little bit more. Maybe I need to begin to think about my spirituality. Maybe I need to think about if this God thing is really real, right? Uh -huh. And so they're starting to tune in and begin to get some word and begin to get built. And so... For me, I see that as a great thing. So, you know, I'm excited about it. It's new. And like I said, we're not going back to the old. We can't. Right. Not in this day and age. 
And so right. that's... And if and if people think the dinosaurs are coming back, <laughs> look at your history no. books. They're not here, That's champ. Right. They're not so, here. They stay gone. And, and then, so, <laughs> what I'm getting out of this, so I I just want to close out with this with this last few things that I got to say based upon what he just said. So, it, it, I heard a particular individual that I listened to quite a bit say this, and he said, "If you have a business now, he was just talking about the church side of it, but if you have a business, let's say you're a private owner, you're a, a proprietor, whatever the case may be, or a CEO, and you're not even on social media at all. Maybe you built your business or businesses based upon the old way, white pages, <laughs> yellow, uh, yellow pages and all. Guess what? That's gone. That yep. is all gone. And if you're not on social media, here's what's going to happen. Eventually, social media is going to be the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And you know what's going to take over. What's going to take over is what many of you already have in your house, your mm-hmm. Alexas, your Googles and all these automated services in your house. And what's going to happen? Let's just say you're a law firm. You're is They're going to say, Alexa, I need a lawyer. And if you've never been on any social <laughs> media platform, guess mm-hmm. what? Your business does not exist. If so you're not you, in the search engine. <laughs> correct. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you yep. need to be a part of some type of social media to get your church out there, to get yep. your business out there. Whatever it is that you're trying to grow, you got to go through it. You can't yep. grow if you don't go <laughs> through it. It's going right. to be it's going to be a difference. It's starting something new. It's going to take time. And understand, yeah, I know we're living in a microwave society. Everybody wants to be famous overnight. But I tell you what, yep. there's a whole lot of people that is Instagram, Instagram famous, but then they're broken. They're really broken their pocketbook. Okay. Yep. So the goal is to get out there so people know that you have a service, you have a business, you have a church, you have something to offer. So yep. that way, um, as things change and they will change, they're everything is constantly evolving you have to keep reinventing yourself whether you're a pastor you're a plumber or a janitor it doesn't matter you always there's always going to be new tools <laughs> you know and not mm-hmm. every tool is going to work on the same new car i mean ask mm-hmm. my father my father was a mechanic slash service advisor for 35 years and some of the tools that he has now some will work on some cars but some stuff reply uh, requires a computer <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have it. It changes. And what did he? And what did he always say? You got to have the right tool for the job. For the job. That's right. <laughs> and that's our time. I appreciate it. I'm Sean, your host, with my co-host Joel E. Bowden the third. And until we hear from you again or you see us again, take care. And as always, be blessed. I'm out.